This podcast is brought to you by Keep Pulling, an Olympic weightlifting resource and USA Weightlifting community development training site located in Tampa, Florida. Find all things weightlifting, including coaching, training programs, community events, and so much more. And Lifting Life, your go-to photography provider for every major USA weightlifting meet in the nation. They are also based in Florida and provide platform lifting sequences and videos, VIP photo packages, and so much more that is available to every single lifter. Capture the moment at Lifting Life. And now it's time for the show. again we got a good one for you it is is, yes it is episode eight of the keep pulling podcast and i I just something about that song i could just like jam to it all day (laughs) (laughs) we got an awesome guest for today's name pedro maloney from usa weightlifting he's the event director uh his actual title is um what was it meet uh i call meet director extraordinaire he'll tell us all about himself soon uh, where, can we, where can you find us, Patrick? Yeah, so make sure to follow us on social media. We're at Keep Pulling and at Lifting Life on Instagram. And you can find previous episodes of this podcast on our website, keeppulling.com. And if you like what you hear, drop us a review on iTunes. So thanks for listening and let's get started. All right, well, let's bring in Pedro. There he is. The man, the myth, the legend. Oh, there you go. All right, Pedro. How's it going, guys? It's going, man. We're it's good to see you. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I used to joke that the official title is a King of Scotland. <laughs> the King of Scotland. <laughs> Did you have a kilt? Oh, I actually do, but that, that's just a joke. <laughs> so, where are you right now? I'm in Switzerland, in uh, Lausanne. In, at the, I'm collaborating with the IOC Boxing Task Force here for the the past five to six months. You've been in Switzerland five months? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you told me yesterday right. you're going to be there the rest of the year too. Um, well, we don't we don't really know because of the the whole thing with the, the, the Olympic Games moving dates now. Right. So I guess that, that we'll figure out it pretty soon. We uh, see so huge fish to fry with moving dates and and all that so uh, i guess that that answer is still unknown for us hmm. yeah Man, it's a heck of a it's life pretty... you lead you're all over the place uh, you're from brazil <laughs> right that's right what part because that you show me a picture of it it's very obscure I'd, i mean i'm not going to know it by seeing a picture of where that place is but tell us a little about where you're from so i'm from this it's a, a landlocked state in brazil it's it's very different from what you see in the pictures and what tourism in brazil looks like uh called minas gerais so that's where all the mines and uh the cattle comes from right so mm-hmm. all the ore, all the iron ore, all the gold ore that comes from minas right so we're mountain we're mountainside we're country 
country state. Everybody likes going to the beach and all that because that's what we do. But that's that's pretty much right. That's that's pretty much what it is. It's way closer to Colorado than it is to to Rio. Let's put it that way. Very interesting. Yeah, because when you're working in the states, you're based out of Colorado, correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the USOC so is that's a- up there in Colorado, Colorado Springs. Yes. Correct. USOPC now, because now they're calling it uh, oh, the Paralympic. United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Right? Awesome. That's right. Now, when did that come about? Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't aware of that change. I mean, I'm not all things knowing of Olympic uh, names, but that's an interesting change. Yeah. Well, they've been responsible for the Paralympics too for a while. And I think rightfully so, they changed it the last year that they added uh, the, the Paralympics to the name. And to, I, I love the change of the name. I just can't get used to the change of the acronyms. The change of the acronyms always throws me off. Because you get used to it, like USOC. Right. And now I say USOPC. Well, I'm going to get it into our first question for you. And it goes back to the title of the episode. We named this one, which one is, which one is Pedro? Because that is, is easily one of the top three questions that we get when we're sitting there taking photos. Uh, people tap us on the back. Hey, uh, hey, which one is Pedro? Uh, where can I find Pedro? Is it Pedro? <laughs> yeah, he's right over there. Long hair, Brazilian guy, looks like a soccer stud. I go, oh, I see him now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what? not to be confused with Pablo. <laughs> so, what is your role in USA Weightlifting, and, and how long have you been doing that? All right, so we started in two thousand. I started in two thousand seventeen, right, with with USA uh, Weightlifting. Phil was working with me in two thousand sixteen for the Olympic Games, and and during that time, the 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 position of events director and uh, was was open so i decided to apply apply for that so the role is pretty much all things events it was all things events until 2018 like march 2018 february 2018 mm-hmm. when we when it also became about sponsorships as well so it became oh, that's right about events and sponsorships about that time so i've been seeing you handle a lot of sponsors too that makes sense now yeah, because that, that whatever time you ask so me, like, sponsor, hey, can we see the sponsor in the background of the photo? Are they in the in the shot? Is is it visible? Like, where else could we put sponsor names? Now that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's important for those guys, right? And they're so oh, yeah. supportive, and and we have we have a huge, uh, a, a very nice community of sponsors. Like, and and it, those guys are investing a lot of, of uh, they're investing a lot of resources into to U.S. lifters, and it's just fair that, that we contribute to that. Oh, you yeah, know? get them some screen time. Uh, yeah, and it's cool to see that grow sure. over the years, too, because I remember uh, a couple of national meets that were just, I mean, there were maybe one or two. And now there's, you know, we, when we were in, um, where were we just sat in Columbus, there was quite a bit of yeah. vendors and, you know, just in our room in the USA weightlifting right. room. So it's cool to see. Oh, that's right. But in, in at the Arnold, it's a little bit of a different story because the Arnold, it's a different meet for us, right? right. It's the American okay. Open Series inside the Arnold, right? So Columbus Weightlifting, they have their own sponsors too, that they they will they will be in the competition. And one thing that it differs from the there's a difference between like what are sponsors and what are vendors too. Some of our events it will attract a lot of vendors, and that's just because we have like a bigger flow of people, right? If you have more people mm-hmm. coming in, more vendors will be interested on, on, on coming to the event because they're they're over there mainly to sell goods, right? 
Sure. Um, whereas the sponsors are the ones that are supporting the organization through whole uh, the whole year, like Nike, um, Ascent Protein, Romwad, uh, Pre-Spectrum, all those. I, I don't want to Rogue. Name them all because otherwise, oh, yeah, just <laughs> they're a big one. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So if we start here, I need to say 21 names. Uh, right, right. I might, you know, I might miss one. And we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah go back and look at the photos yeah, and see all that's the, right. the banner. That's the ones we're talking about. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Check USA Weightlifting website. They're all there. There you go. <laughs> so you're telling me. All you did was apply for the role. You applied for the job, and and that's really how you got in. It wasn't like a who you know or, or it, you didn't have to weave your way in. It was just an application. But I, I'm sure you, you had know, an interview. It was an application. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and by that time, I was in, uh, really heavily involved in, in in weightlifting. I was the the sport director, of, uh, sport manager for the weightlifting competition in Rio too. I was heavily involved with the inter, the IWF. Um, I had some roles inside the, the National Federation in Brazil as well. I used to run the, the training center of um, our college in um, in Viçosa, Minas Gerais, which is which was at that time a big deal in in, in Brazil in, in weightlifting and all mm-hmm. that. Since 1980s, nowadays it's kind of slow, and Rio took over in terms of uh, importance f- for the sport uh, to the country. So I was already heavily involved in weightlifting at that time. Wow. wow. And did you start out in weightlifting or did you move into that? I was a judo athlete during college. Okay. And we happened to share a wall with weightlifting for for like like the longest period. So the train the weightlifting training center and the judo training center were next to each other. So we ended up like becoming friends with with the lifters and that's how I got direct to weightlifting like 2-3 years after after I got into college. So speaking of, we, we touched a little bit on uh, where you're at now and, and kind of what, what things look like uh, internationally, but what, what's your travel schedule look like now? And what, you know, how do the, the travel bans and any, any kind of um, like quarantining, if you want to call it that, how did that affect your travel schedule? Those are crazy times, right? I mean, I used to have a super busy travel schedule, especially when I was in the U.S., uh, because of the many meets that we had to go to and site visits and site selection process and even like sponsor visits and, and all this kind of stuff. Now, I believe that we are in the same situation as you guys are starting to get into over there. In, in we can't, I can't leave my place without a good reason. To. Right. So, mm-hmm. and this, I think this is day 20 for me here. Wow. It's been, wow. it's been crazy. Yeah. So it's yeah, been, I it's think been we're day eleven. So that's twice as long as us. <laughs> well, yeah. From the and I, I, governor, I'm afraid it's gonna last. <laughs> really? Yeah. They put a statewide stay-at-home yeah. order out well, last night, actually. Yeah, it seems like every every couple of days or week they're they're extending it even farther. But what about the other states? Do you guys have any any intel on that? Well, some states have it a lot worse than we do here in Florida. Like New York is what they call the epicenter. Mm-hmm. They have over 50,000 mm-hmm. confirmed cases while every other state, I think the highest one is 5,000 and that is Washington state, New Orleans and Louisiana starting to get it pretty bad. And Los Angeles now is starting to become worse and worse and worse. I think it's infor- unfortunate, but it's going to hit up, hit everybody. Yeah. It's going to become, uh, a, it's just spread so easily. Yeah. 
Yeah. We've been doing our part like big time, washing hands, washing face, sanitizing. Like at work, I go around sanitizing every common surface I can find at least once a day because we're at minimum mm-hmm. manning, but uh, people still come in. They touch common things like uh, door handles and elevator buttons, and I'm always wiping those down and making sure those are clean. Yeah, but but you're in essential work, right? We here in uh, for everyone that is not a doctor, everyone that is not directly involved in, in healthcare or like groceries or pharmacies and all that. Everybody is ordered to stay home and work from home. So schools are closed. It's been yeah. it's been interesting. We got that here. Too. Parks they, are closed. They close school for the rest of the year for a lot of places. A school year, you would say, right? Oh yeah, the the school, the school year, year is yeah. done. Oh okay. yeah, that's crazy. Well, heck, same year. Before all this, you were traveling nonstop. I mean, you're like high up on the uh, platinum list on AA or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, we we used to joke in the office that. If you wanted to mail me something, you would be better off mailing me stuff at the at the airport, at the Colorado <laughs> Springs airport. Just mail it to United. They would know where to find me. Yeah. They bring you pretzels and a snack <laughs> and, and a drink and a package on the plane. <laughs> That's funny. exactly. And it was it was funny because every now and then I would get food delivered from someone to the office, like a, a cake. Or like St. Patrick's Day, they would send some candies or, or something to the office. Like, I don't know. So some, most of the cities, they will have their sport commissions or their, their visitors bureau. And they would send like gifts to us, right? Say, hey, we thought on you, about you. Here's, I don't know, pretzels or here some candies or, or stuff like that. Just to keep contact. And this is like, this, this happens. So I started telling people in the office, say, just go ahead and open all my boxes because if there's food, <laughs> you might as well. Yeah, it's going to go bad. <laughs> I remember for the World Championships in 2017 that I spent, what, 40 days in Anaheim? Wow. The first day that I left, the first day that I left to Anaheim, I got a package and that package sit, sat there in, in the office for like 60 days, right? And it was popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> That's like stale popcorn. So Exactly. So after that, it was just, guys, just go ahead, open all my packages and and have some. <laughs> if it's important, put it aside. Give it to me later. It's a team gift now. It's all of your, all of Correct. Yours. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So the, the, and uh, talking about travel schedule, it's fun because I ended up going to Wuhan, to the city that, that started all this. Right. Right. Well, not not the city that started, but where, where the first it? cases happened, right? Yeah. So I went there in November, I guess, early November, because that was the first qualifying event, the boxing qualifying event that was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen in Wuhan. And we wow. actually were the first ones to cancel um, an event due to coronavirus. Now, who makes that decision? Is that so, you or is it the committee or, or what? No, it's a, it's a bigger... It's bigger, way bigger than me here. It's way above my paycheck, but we are, I mean, I'm involved and everyone in the task force is involved on that, but we all, we all discussed on, on what to do. And the Chinese Olympic committee was, um, was involved as well. It's a joint decision in the end, right? but it's because they were also surprised by the, by, 
by how the virus escalated and all that because we were not we were expecting to run the the event normally so for weeks we had i don't know i remember the first case was december 31st and this is how closely we were monitoring it we got it on december 31st like five cases and we're like okay well five cases of a new virus probably not a big deal right yeah, probably not a big deal, but we start monitoring. And, and then I clearly remember that on the, December 31st, the medical committee here already started investigating that, closely, uh, closely uh, communicating with the Chinese and, and all that. And they were saying, okay, we have now 12 cases. We have now 19 cases. And for a while, we had, what, 40. And then it was a weekend we had the first death, like January 16th. We're like, okay, this is starting to look... Uh, um, worse, but still, it's a it's a death, right, of a seventy-something-year-old person. But okay, very sorry that 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 happened. But we're seven billion people in the world. Sometimes people die, yeah. right? For sure, they die. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. as far as I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not to put a so, dark, dark cloud over everything, but everybody will die at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Back to exactly. uh, Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no more life philosophy, but yeah, so that, that happened. And then uh, things escalated very quickly. And very soon it became obvious to us that Wuhan was shutting down and we would have to call it off. And in, in three days, we announced uh, the new host in uh, Jordan, Amman, Jordan. Okay. So it was quite a ride, quite the ride. And that's like other so side being, of the world. Yeah. 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 So it, it was interesting because... I mean, I'm still in like close communication with, with the guys in, in the office and Phil and, and, and all the guys. And I'm like, hey, guys, I just got an event canceled. That, that, that sucks. It's, it's bad. And they're like, oh, we, 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 feel, we feel your pain and this and this and that. And, and we just got nationals canceled. Too, yeah. so. so now they really do. Yeah. And while but we're on that topic, it, I want to ask you about the nationals coming up. Mm-hmm. Just as a small break, is this going to be similar to how Youth Worlds was done? and unis where it was separate platforms for each or is it going to be intertwined because what i'm worried about is the replay system is that going to still be in effect it's closer to to what we had in the universities okay andy so not not really ufords ufords was a different story because you had one the the word event going on in one side and you had uh, the the national event going on on the other side of the hall mm-hmm. for nationals it's going to be more like what we do when we run universities in under 25. Okay. So all in the same sphere. It's all mixed together. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Correct. Very and, interesting. and, uh, and the same, in the same platform, you have people lifting from, from uh, at both events, if not for both events in, uh, in, in Vegas, when we ran the youth words, we ran the Las Vegas international open. Yes. Um, youth, youth words, national university and national under 25. And I remember, I think it was Kobashigawa that he competed in national under 25, national university and Las Vegas international. At the same time. Oh, wow. One lift, exactly. three medals. <laughs> That's right. He's still right. snatching almost double body weight too. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty strong. Pretty amazing. Uh, it was neat to see the events merged as well at the Arnold the rogue international competition yeah that was that was challenging and uh but but i i do believe that we made the the right call with the arnold and with everything that was going on i agree that we stood by the no spectators thing and health 
first and I think our communication and I have, I have to uh, tip my hat off to our communication team that they did uh, what I evaluate as a, a very good job on that and say, hey guys, the governor orders are that no spectators and, and all that. I understood, I understand the art on side to, to, to try to, to have the spectators and try to have the expo, I believe, but we, in the end, we, we, we came in with like precise communication to, to everybody. It's unfortunate, but I mean, what can you do? It's, that's what's called force majeure, right? Yes. <laughs> right. And man, communication is so key in anything that having you guys being able to just talk back and forth at a, at a high level is, is so important. Was that already in place when you moved into USA weightlifting? Did you help build that up? Um, we, I think the team grew a lot on, on, on that side of things. I think that from 2017 on, and that's much to, to Phil's and Kevin's uh, work, Kevin Farley, um, they got that, they got that side of, of the things really sharp. Now, you know, I think that we are, I like to say that you, USA weightlifting is a very transparent organization now on, on, on the things that we do. I mean, if there are bad news, you're going to hear the bad news straight as an arrow and the qualification system, like it or not, that's the qualification system that we're using. And, and, and when it comes to registrations and, and my side of like events and dates, I had like friends, people that I consider friends when I was uh, still in the office, like taking calls and all that, calling me and say, Hey, I missed the registration for a day or I missed the registration for like two hours. And I'm like, sorry, yeah, you know, you're out. it's, <laughs> it's the same for all. Yeah. You know, sure. It's called deadline. Uh, so I believe correct. And, and I believe that's the, that part is, is, is key. You're being honest for the good and for the bad. So I'm going to move on to our next yeah. question here. And I want to talk about your role in boxing and other sports like judo and jujitsu. Um, how, how are you able to practice a one V one sport, uh, in this time of social distancing? That's a hard one, right? I mean, the, <laughs> Oh, I promise you no hard questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, those athletes are suffering the most for sure. I mean, you still can drill, right? You, you can still drill, do something, but not, not even close to what, what a, a lifter can do. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you'll see some people like doing shadow boxing and, and skipping rope and running and, and, and working on the bags and all that. In jujitsu, you can use dummies. In judo, you can use dummies. You can, you can go for some mat work, work with the wall. There's a lot of takedowns that you, you kind of do the, the first part of the movement against the wall, right? But it's, it's just hard for those guys. And I think that a lot of the, the, the Olympics being postponed, Andy, is due to that too. Not for jujitsu because they're not, they're, there's no jujitsu at the Olympics. But if, if you think of um, well, wrestling, every other single- Judo. Uh, yeah. Fencing, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what are those guys doing? They're pretty much chilling. If you're a lifter, you go back to your garage. If you're fortunate to have like a, a, a home gym and, and you kind of takes care of that. But what about the swimmers that they need a pool oh, that now Lord. pools are closed? Wow. I don't know. There's, there's, there's so much into it. There's so much into it that those guys are just, they have no choice. So essentially they're being granted an extra year of training to be able to get to the level that they expect themselves to be or, or the level they would have been at had the Olympics not been postponed. 
Yeah, that's a very simplistic way to, to, to think about this because think about think about that. Those guys they work in four year cycles, right? Right. So their their whole training, it's it's like the period periodization is made so they peak on the fourth year. They peak on the on the Olympics. Exactly. Right. So the top performance is gonna be on the Olympics. And next year was supposed to be when they are um, when they're unloading right in terms of of performance they have worse performances in 2021 than they had in 2020 and if you look at weightlifting results and world championships and olympic games you're going to see that it's all, like 2017 it's low then it comes 18 19 20 right that's that's what it's expected so that changes things up for those guys for sure uh, but yeah essentially people are getting one more year 365 more days to, to train to, to the Olympics, which is a huge, it's going to be a huge task for, for Tokyo uh, for, to like, to put it on in uh, July, 2021. Think about this. If we're changing one of our, our events in USA weightlifting, I need to call one hotel and one venue and say, Hey guys, are you available right. for next year? But an it's entire same city. Dates. <laughs> well, really yeah. an entire country. Right. About. Correct. Correct. It's, those guys, they need to, to get in contact with like 50-something venues. They have millions room nights booked in uh, for 2020. Wow. What happens mm-hmm. with that? And yeah, it's it's a huge task, huge. And that's a big wow. part of why we're glad to have you on the show to get that insight uh, of what goes behind these things because a lot of us just don't know like what all is involved with running yeah. even a national meet or an international meet, the Olympics, because you've been involved in it all. You were in Rio. Can you touch yeah, on that right. for a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, so it, it was the same thing. When 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 I said that Tokyo moved to 2021, it's still called 20, Tokyo 2020, right? I was just thinking that, well, I actually lived to see an Olympic Games being moved because I didn't even think it was possible, mm. right? And mm. just because, guys, there's so much that goes on, so much. The guys that you, you, you build the Olympic village, right? You build the Olympic village and when you build it, you sell those apartments to someone, right? Yeah. And they're due to be, to use those apartments in September, 2020. Now they're not anymore. So what they're going to do about this, that there's just so much. And in Rio, we had a, a similar situation with Zika. If you guys remember. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Zika, yeah. But Zika wasn't, wasn't that much of a problem for, I mean, of course, Zika is a severe disease, right. but what I'm saying is that it wasn't nearly as big in terms of cases as it is a coronavirus now. That was a mosquito-borne illness and, too. Correct, uh-huh. correct. And 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 the locals who were, I mean, the locals, and of course I'm included on that, we're like, <laughs> okay, well, mosquitoes and August, it's it's the it's our winter, so there are not really a lot of mosquitoes going on and all that. So we kind of knew what was coming, right? So we knew we, we wouldn't be like a huge surge of uh, of cases and and all that. But again, people get concerned, and and rightfully mm-hmm. so, they are now with with the coronavirus thing. But Rio Rio was a very interesting, very interesting experience too. Really, really interesting. From sport equipment arriving like in the last minutes. From we install we, we managed to install the, the scoreboard like three hours before our first live competition to a billion people to watch. <laughs> oh boy. So it was 
Always fun. Always fun. Nothing like some last minute tired stress. Pe- yeah, nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that. I remember that for a while, I was tired to talk about it. Just to talk about it, I was like, oh man, I feel so tired. Because it was it was amazing in terms of like workload. Luckily, Patrick's got a question for you. Yeah. So yeah, any, anything specific that, that the Team USA is going to do? Any training camp postponements or anything being relocated so, uh, stateside? Well, Mike, Mike Gatton and, and Lorene Hoffer, they're, they're, they take care of that side, right? But, uh, but they're definitely like looking into relocating stuff and, and shuffling stuff around just because right now we're just, we simply don't have where to go. Right. Right. And yeah. just so you, just to give a, a little bit more of insight on, on, on Tokyo, Team USA already had our training camp established in Tokyo far in advance. Rogue was shipping equipment there. We had lots of equipment be, uh, shipped to Tokyo already. All of that, you, you, we need to take a look at all of that again. All the hotel room right. nights, that's kind of easy at this point because of the whole, the whole change. But think about like, supplement that ascent donated some of that oh, some of that bad. stuff might expire yeah. yeah you know so there are all those little things that come into to organize those training camps and, and and when it comes to meat it's the same i mean from the gloves that the medical staff use in the back room to the barbells everything is equally important if it, if anything is missing then then we're in trouble right Exactly. Well, heck, man, that's mm. what I'm saying. There's just so much that goes like the logistics of putting something together like that is is insane to me because I've never really yeah, been a part of it like that. But man, all of those minor and details begin uh, to really add up. Yeah, and I think that that for me it was mostly what we were concerned about when when I started. Like, let's get everything into like small little boxes so we organize it again and again and again and again and we do it over and over and over. Just repeat, 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 and uh, create consistency. I think that was the biggest, biggest thing to to get to to our events, to get our events on on what they are today in, in USA weightlifting. We just do the same thing over and over and over. I mean, we of course, admittedly, there are things that we need to improve, and and we don't have the the expected consistency that we should have at that point in that that area. But we're working to get all all those small little get those moving and that brings me to my you know so you see that leads us into our next mm, uh, go ahead. my next thing here um because you've told me uh that you your goal was to become what you said not necessary at national meets and i, I know what you mean yeah. by that but uh can you tell everybody that's watching what exactly what that means it doesn't mean you don't want to go it just means uh, you want people to be able to pick yeah. up the slack in case you can't come, right? Uh, it, it's actually, it's actually the the, the, the second, right? It's uh, it's uh, it's about getting everything so simplified, so inside the boxes that we just need to that that everything works by itself, right? We got to a point where, and, and that's why we changed the the system that we we used to do before before 2017 there's nothing wrong about anything it's just that we started usa weightlifting started organizing eight nationals a year in 2017 plus the world championships in 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 17. then 18 came and with another again more international meets then 19 came with two more international meets so that always happened 
And when you are running an event per month, it become like super necessary for us to go and say, okay, we're going to have a single checklist for everything that is like thousands of lines long. We're going to have a, a, a dozen of processes that we just go one by one and tick those boxes. So, and it always starts like 45 days before I open, I, I used to call the, the, the boxes. Huh? I open box number one and I take all those processes off. Then I put away box number one. I pick up box number two with 35 days to go. Then I pick up box number three with uh, 25 days to go. And, and then it comes until we're picking up like the last boxes, the last one with seven days to go, five days to go, three days to go, and all the, those processes are there. So my point is that at, if, at some point, I'm not with the organization anymore, we have documentation on, on, on what to do. And now you know, you've got so I'll, much experience with each person on on the team that they can really cover down. They they have a history of weightlifting meets under their belt that they can absolutely. see the, uh, recurring right. issues that might occur, and they can quickly remedy those. Uh, a lot of times, yeah. it's the scoreboard. Now that Les is uh, doing kind of remote help, Les Simonton, I'm talking about with the scoreboard, mm -hmm. and yeah, he's a, like a lot of the guys there and girls. They they already know how to dive into his software and fix uh, any type of lockup. Yeah, and that was the huge. That was the, the the biggest thing for us is to have like the same people over and over and again because then you don't have rookies running around, you know. Uh, it's very it, it's like even with our AV, we have always we always have the same guys. When it comes to video live streaming, we have Scott. When it comes to to results, we have less or less system if less is not around. So that that creates consistency. At one point, people will pick up on that because if you have a good product. Right. Right. Then you can uh, really you, guarantee something. Mm -hmm. Correct. And that's exactly what happened with us. Uh, yeah. But in the end, we were always using the the same things and same people, and and stuff started improving because of that. Like Lasse's system was a, it it has been around for I don't know ten years, fifteen years or more that he used to run it. I remember that when once I got to the U.S., I said, "Well, I'm gonna go meet this guy," and I drove to Alabama yeah. to to meet him in in, uh, in Auckland. Yeah, <laughs> he told me about so, that. It was like the first and, thing he did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I said, "Well, I'm That's gonna meet amazing. him," and uh, and we sat down in his garage. He set up uh, a mock meet in his garage, and we ran over the system. I'm like, "Okay, now let's produce this output. Let's try this. Let's try that." Let's see if the scoreboard works like this, works like that. And in the end, I was like, yeah, that, that will work. Let's, let's push, uh, uh, push the start button here. And then in juniors in Kansas City, we started using it, and we never I looked back. That. I remember so, that. Wow. I do remember that. And I do yeah. remember uh, what a change from the old system to the current one. I mean, the old system, mm -hmm. meets were running hours past their scheduled times due to yeah. software failures. And now, I mean... We're getting breaks like I've never had before. <laughs> I'm getting like 45 minute break yeah. session ends early. I'm like, I get to stand up. This is great. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially with us at the tables like that all day. But yeah, I mean, do you remember Dallas and and even Ogden? Those things ran into like one o'clock in the morning. Like we were leaving. Yeah, I the think venue. it was Baton Rouge that uh, went, yeah. went past midnight. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I was in Baton Rouge, man. Yeah, I was there. That was my yeah. first. Uh, and that's a great story too. That was my first USA weightlifting meet seven days or three days after the end of the Paralympic Games, the Rio 2016 
Paralympic Games. So I went there because Phil said, "Hey, come, come see, uh, uh, come, come here to meet the staff to see the the event and all that." But we got there; the event had been relocated from New Orleans. From New, no, from New Orleans, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It had been relocated. Oh, no, it was from in New, New Orleans. Yeah, this event was in New Orleans. Oh. We got relocated That's from right. Baton Rouge to New Correct. Orleans, okay. right in yep. 2016. Yeah, right because of the flooding. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Matt Bruce was there with his volunteers and there were just like a handful of them that he managed to bring them from Baton Rouge to, to New Orleans. So we were shorthanded on people. It was, it was crazy amount of work. And we ended like, as you said, we ended at 1am every day or, or stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Super well, that was one of my favorite training halls to photograph too. It was so, it was an entire gymnasium. Everything was spread out. That's right. I got to use my long lenses uh-huh. and got some really cool very photos. bright too. yeah that was so fun that's right it yeah, wasn't that fun that. for me though <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine yeah i, I remember because we we traveled for that one too with our team and uh, about three weeks i want to say before is when everything started shutting you know they started relocating stuff and and you know the floods kind of basically destroyed baton rouge i mean really so yeah. then the relocations happened and we had to change airfare and all kinds of stuff. So I can't even imagine on your end what it looked like for the, for the event as a whole. Yeah, that was crazy. And it was the first yeah. event of the, like a, a new staff for USA weightlifting too. So we yeah. had Jake at that time in his first event, Lance in his first or second event or something yeah. like this, Kevin in his first event. So it was like the, the first of, uh, of a series of events that now that these guys, they all have like 30, weightlifting meets under their belts but at that point it was just nuts you talk about trial by fire that's definitely one case example people having to get together and work together as a team um now when you when you're planning these meets out because this one had to move it was that already a secondary location that was on backup like ready standby do you guys choose a backup location just in case uh not often not often let's say let's put it that way when we when we decided for Daytona in September 2019, there was a backup location in Tampa that I, I even remember discussing this with, yeah, discussing this with you guys. <laughs> and well, we might, because what was the name of the hurricane? I, for, I forgot now, sorry. Uh, Irma or something. Uh, like that. Sandy? Ir- Irma, I believe, yeah. Last year? Mm-hmm. You sure it was Irma? Maybe something well, else. Maybe, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, well, I'm bad with In any days. case, that one, yeah. That, <laughs> That one had a backup location because of obvious obvious reasons, right? Uh, it's not like we have signed a deal with another location, but we are looking, we're talking, we're discussing, say, hey, what's the possibility? Do you guys have the space open and all this kind of stuff, right? Even in, in uh, with guys in Orlando and all that. But it's not every one of, of our events that will have a B plan, like ready to go like this. And in Daytona, we were fortunate enough that the damage was, uh, the damage was minimal in, in the end for us. So that was, yeah. that was fine. It turned out to be fine. But let's say in San Diego, when we got there and the loading dock of the hotel had, had just been imploded by the hotel and what? we had to like manually do everything. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. You talking about recently? This was only a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, so we got. Yeah, yeah. This is the the Masters World Cup. Okay. In San Diego. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know that. But for Daytona, for example, yeah. Yeah, that was a huge meet. I, I would expect. Uh, 
some kind of redundancy just in case. I mean, that was yeah. 14, yeah. 1,300 people. Yeah. Well, that does 13, bring us into our next question. Patrick's going to cover this one. Yeah, as far as uh, uh, large meets. So the largest meet in, in history was in, in Las Vegas, which I, I was not there, but Andy was. Um, there was over 1,600 athletes. What was that American Open Series 3 a yes. couple years ago? That's right. So what mm-hmm. what went into making this meet a reality, and and when are we when should we expect to see the the largest meet, and this becomes the second largest meet in history? Well, we're hopeful to have Vegas again in September this year, right? To be the yeah. first, the, the the biggest event in history, right after the Olympics, right? I'm still we're we're still expecting it to be huge and and probably mm-hmm. the largest ever, right? Uh, so far, everything is on track for that. Wow. But um, so, yeah, we're, we're expecting that to beat Las Vegas 2018. Uh, is that right? 2018. Eight, uh, yeah. I believe. It's, it's almost 18. like, a, like yeah. a, a weird saying where the only thing that can beat Las Vegas is Las Vegas. <laughs> is Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people, people really like going to Las Vegas. It has cheap wear, uh, um, airfares. Uh, hotels are somewhat cheap. Yeah, and people like like going to Vegas. I, I'm not sure what is the the, the final reason. <laughs> I spent <laughs> way to too many days there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't believe we can say it here. Can no, we? I'd rather not. <laughs> not that we partake in any of those things. We're just saying other people do or might. We'll just we'll just say it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to handle. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Vegas oh man, and and we stay there for you. Yeah, well, for youth words, I stayed there for like 20, 25 oh, days. Yeah, so I went can't on for go 10 to Vegas. straight days. That's right. That's right. With like a session per day in the end, it was, my God. I wanted to say, guys, let's Wrap go. It up. Let's go. <laughs> I'm the director. We're rapping. <laughs> yeah. Move along. <laughs> move, 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 move. Go to Wayne, Wayne, Wayne. Let's That's go. Funny. But yeah, so. To put an event like that, uh, we first first of all we had to make sure that we had enough equipment, right? Because we were talking about five platforms. Um, four days. Originally, our hall. Yeah, that's right. Four days of competition. Originally, the hall, the competition hall, wasn't that big, so we had to. We were lucky enough that the other half of the hall was um, empty, and we managed to snag that too with the hotel. Uh, we're lucky that the hotel uh, had a huge flexibility in terms of rooms, so they could add more rooms for for athletes. So they managed to book inside the the, uh, the same hotel, the, the Westgate, and 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 stay on site. And and it all comes to to people too, right? We we had to make sure that we had enough volunteers. So we had volunteers coming from and, and you got to you got to remember that Vegas has a small community of lifters. If you compare that to the size of the meat, the meat that we were running, we're right. running a meat with 1,600 people, and I think that Vegas has a 50-something registered USA weightlifters. Wow! Right? There's only a few gyms, yeah. like, and one I can really think of off the top of my head, Average Bros. Yeah, that's right. And 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 Bros, he took he took over one platform for that meet, if I'm not mistaken. But all the the, the other teams, even from Florida, I guess. From Florida, people took over one platform. From uh, Four Star Strength, took over another one. Um, Washington took over another one, and I believe Idaho or Arizona took over 
another platform at that point. Wow. So we, we had to make that happen too, in terms of people. Then technical officials, we had to make that happen in terms of technical officials. We had people coming from the, the Pan Am nations coming to officiate on that meet because mm -hmm. we didn't have enough people, right? Wow. Um, so yeah, that, lots of stuff. But again, thankfully to the process, it's just, it's just more. Right. You know, it becomes, it's, it's one event, right? That it's bigger, that we need to, to pay more attention to it, to this, this and that, but it's just more things instead of buying. When I see over there, that, that line of mine that says buy medical gloves, I, for this one, it was still buy medical gloves, but times five Yeah, buy more. Right. So correct. So in the end, you're running the same thing. Uh, you, you need to pay more attention on other things not related to the competition in terms of like hotels, transportation, um, and, and this kind of stuff. But on the, the process side, it's just, okay, we do it. We just did it this in, in July. We're going to do this again in September. It's just bigger, just more stuff. It is different that when you add when you add more stakeholders. So when you add like broadcasting that we had in, um, in the world championships, or when you add um, uh, stricter doping control or and this, this and that, then you are adding stakeholders and that's when stuff starts getting complicated. If not, it's just more. We do this and mm -hmm. we do more of this. It's, it's very simplistic to me to say like this, but again, we've, it, the, the crew is also very experienced and, right. and we've been working together for a while. Essentially, so it's, a, it's a modular system where uh, mm -hmm. it is. It, you, Absolutely. Can, you can quickly add more. Um, I guess the only, yeah, the really hard part would be people because that's not a, uh, yeah, a finite exactly. resource. Yeah, Andy and mm -hmm. I have talked and, about this uh, together. Where we run events here in Tampa, and you know we've started with one single platform, and now our local meets have grown to running two platforms. And so the way we look mm -hmm. at it is, uh, when you add a platform, you're basically running two meets at the same time. So one platform is doing its own thing, and then the, the other one is kind of doing its own. You know, as a larger meet together, but each one has its own, like you say, technical officials, referees, loaders. So you say times five. So yeah, you just like say if you were to add a sixth platform, then you need you know all those load, you know, three more loaders one more announcer, one more technical official. Um, yeah. you know, so it mm -hmm. just, but each one is kind of its own little self-contained meet, but Correct. it's all part Correct. of the greater schedule. Think, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's pretty much the secret to, to make this run, this thing is run smoothly is to, to mm -hmm. consider all those platforms, they're, they're small little words. So it doesn't matter what's happening on, on the stars platform. If red is going on well, red, you know, mm -hmm. finish on time, they start their session on time. And, and so on and so forth. So I, I believe that's the secret. Everything is, yeah. you're running, you're basically running five times one platform. You're not mm -hmm. running one meet with five platforms. Right. And that does sure. help with scheduling. I like how you guys do the schedule. I believe it's automated mostly, right? Or do you, how much fine tuning do you put into that schedule? That schedule? That schedule takes us like three to four hours of fine tuning. Wow. That's not automated oh. at all. Well, I thought yeah. uh, you hit a button and the software would spit out a, like a rough draft, oh. and then you would you would go in and tune it up. <laughs> no, we, we've discussed. I discussed <laughs> this with with <laughs> That would be great. Oh, I thought that's what <laughs> I thought happened. A button, right? He's like, that's a great <laughs> idea. No, 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 no. I discussed that with Les in terms of like what we can do. Can we create a, like a scheduling wizard to the software where I say 
I have 35 lifters, give me a schedule for three sessions, right? And of course I say 35 lifters, but if I can say that 35 lifters, I can then extrapolate to 350 lifters mm -hmm. and then I can extrapolate to 1,350 lifters and I will still receive a schedule from the system. So, uh, but that, that never took off due to, uh, due to other priorities in the system. So the first draft of the schedule that you see on the, um, on the website, the one that we release a month before the event, mm -hmm. that's all, that's all manual. Wow. I, I created like a, a, yeah, I created the spreadsheet that, that I kind of used to kind of automate it my way, but it's still hundred percent manual. And that first draft, that first schedule, the, the preliminary schedule that we say, it takes me about six hours. And then after the verification of final entries, after we finish with all the, the, the changes and all that, then it takes me more like four more hours. Then wow. it's, it's usually like a phone call between me and Les, both of us and speaker and say, okay, uh, move this here, move this there, 10 minutes more here, 20 minutes less there. This one starts at five, this one starts at seven and boom, 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 until you have the final schedule that so far has been, uh, I mean, we've been, we're having success in, in, in keeping stuff on time. So I would say this blows you, my mind that you're definitely. doing this by yourself. I had no idea because when I see that schedule, I mean, it is perfect. The formatting mm -hmm. is perfect. Yeah. Uh, it looked like something that a computer would spit out automatically. And the times like, oh, no, the format, yeah. the, well, the sessions that the, the times you're putting in, they are like right on the money. You're you're building in like ten to fifteen minute breaks, or giving yourself a buffer to yeah. get to the next session. And I'll tell you what, man, I they are, they have been on point for the last year or two. Yeah, yeah, that's hundred percent manual. Like the the scheduling times and and amount of people per session, that's hundred percent manual. Of course, the format and how how nice it looks, that's of course generated automatically by the by the system. But it generates it. Then me and Les, we go like session by session. Uh, we don't look at the athletes. We don't know who's competing where. And that's for me. That's the biggest part of it. So I have, and I keep it to myself. This this little rule that I have absolutely no idea who's lifting which which category or which bodyweight division. And it's funny because I like, I really enjoy watching lifting, right? Watching weightlifting. Mm -hmm. And I usually like even world championships. Like I, when I was working in Turkmenistan for for the 2018, people were like, "Oh, so did you see who's lifting in session X Y Z?" I'm like, "I have no idea." <laughs> <laughs> this just I mean, happens. It's a movie I, in the background for me. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I mean, I know that. I, I don't know. I know that Fernando was lifting in the plus 109 because I see him. Right. right? And. Uh, and because I expect him to lift in the A session at plus one nine, but it's not like uh, it's not like I'm I'm following the start list and this and this and that because I don't want to know because otherwise I, I might make decisions not that I will but it, it, it wouldn't help to know that oh my friend is in session A or session B or session C or whatever so we go mm -hmm. one by one session per session group by group and we go okay trim ten minutes here add ten minutes there trim five minutes here, move this one here. So, and even when you see like, um, if you have like platform red with 15 athletes, then likely the next session, they won't have 15 athletes. They will have less athletes so they can catch up on time mm -hmm. with the other platforms in a way that it makes sense. So you're so, able to visualize essentially an entire meet 
and and get it on the paper. Yeah. Like to the T. Uh, Nikola Tesla used to hey, do Very, that. very accurately. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very amazing. I mean, I kind of expect yeah, a minute works. to a minute 15 per lifter as an average figure. And maybe in uh, some weight class, there's going to be a lot more two-minute clocks, and maybe you can factor that in. But, yeah. I mean, you're nailing it. You and Les are nailing it. Yeah. The, the software does a good good, good job on that, too. I mean, oh, it, it helps oh, us. Don't put it on the software. You did great, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Karen. <laughs> Well, uh, we do see you running around a lot at meets, and that does bring us to our next question here. Your workflow as the meet director, that's, well, we already covered kind of planning and execution, but what, what's your workflow uh, at the meet? Like, let's say one of your early meets, your one of your first five, where you're taking on a lot of workload. What was your flow compared to now where you can you can come in and, and let other people kind of handle things? How has that evolved? I think that... It, it, it all, it all depends on how much people we have there, right? I, I usually work with five people when we go to events. So when we go to the meets, we have five people. We have someone that will take care of registration, someone that will take care of signage, medical area, someone that will take care of the back of house, like warm-up area and, and, and training hall, and two people that will stay in the field of play, right? So it all play, depends on the amount. interrupt you, field of play as far as what? Uh, everything that, that you see, Andy, is the field of play. Okay. That you, when you're sitting down there with your camera, you and Pat, everything is for us is the field of play. Behind that, warm-up area, training hall okay. on the other side or mm-hmm. in, in another venue. So everything that, that your lenses see, that's the field of play. Okay. Right? And, and usually the person that is taking care of signage and, and medical and, and all things attached to the to the event, that person will will handle the spectators area concessions and this kind of stuff too. So the workflow is basically the, the, the biggest thing is to to start the thing up on time. So we come in, we check, we check in with the local club. The the local clubs they have a huge importance in the in in the way that we're running our meets today. Right? It used to be, and that's that's before my time, and that's probably before even Phil's time too. Hmm. That um, the local clubs would 100% organize and run the 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 national meets, right? So they would you would award uh, uh, an event to a, a certain city, and that lo- local club of that certain city would organize it from scratch. So that led to many inconsistencies, right? So maybe one city would be able to do a great job and the next city wouldn't. So the, the deliverable w- wouldn't be consistent. Right. What we do now is that although those guys are not doing this anymore, they, we really rely on them for people, for workforce, right? So for loaders, for people that are actually helping running the meet because, and when I say that my goal is to become not important in the meet is that the way I see it, once we, we press the start button for an event, the, the loader, is 10 times more important than I am. You know, if everything is running smoothly, the guy loading the barbell is much more important than me. He is the one keeping it running, right? It's running by itself. At that point. Right? Yes. But it's only running, correct. It's only running by itself because he's loading the barbell. He or she or the, that group of people, that group of loaders. So the workflow is pretty much get there one to two hours before the first session, make sure that we receive all the information from the, um, from the weighing sheets, 
and put that into the system. Um, do like a sweep to check if everything is, is uh, in place, if we have microphones working, if we have monitors working, if we have chalk, equipment is, is already double, ch triple checked the, the night before, uh, like sport equipment. And, and then that's, that's pretty much it, what it is. We, we press start, 8 a.m. sharp, every single day, every single meet. We still haven't failed on that. So press start at 8 a.m., competition starts, and, and then off it goes. And then it's just like we receive the, the results after the competition is finished. We enter that into the website. We publish them immediately. So I believe that then it all fall again into our, our little processes they, that we have like already like wrote down to the, I mean, very detailed, what you need to do as soon as the, comp the session is over, how we're gonna see that that is published and then it comes social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that is like a, a standard operation procedure. Pretty, that is pretty cool. Speaking about uh, starting on time and how you said that every every meet so far has started on time, that's something I never really thought about. But when you said that, I was like, you know what? I've never had to ask myself if they're going to start on time today. You guys are always right on time. Like if the schedule says 7.30 intro, it's going to be 7.30, and that's my deadline to be ready. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's a great thing, too. I mean, we got to a point and that people don't, don't ask those questions. And that's great right. as an organization. That's great because they don't ask the questions. Is, is the meets going to be on time? Uh, are we running late? Uh, if, uh, I'm not saying that it never happens. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes we're five minutes sure. late. Sometimes we're 10 minutes late. It, stuff happens. But people are not expecting it to be late. People are not walking around saying, oh, my God, did you guys remember to bring chalk? Yeah. Yeah, we got As chalk. <laughs> the, the 40 times before, yes, yeah. we, we know, you know. <laughs> so you build that sense of you build that sense of confidence that that I believe it's right. it's super important, and and the key thing here again is that we're working with the same people, right? So the same people again and again and again they're like oh they got it they got it they got it they got it because we do we do got it so and we managed to build that confidence early on and I believe that made that made the job like thirty times easier. Than it was yeah. than what was uh, yeah. So the first one, of course, was uh, more difficult, and then it immediately starts getting uh, it started getting easier because people know that we got it, and then just people chill, people relax, and they enjoy the competition. Exactly right. And I think we're re Patrick and I are silently relating to your story more and more with the meets that he puts <laughs> yes. on. Uh, every evolution you're talking about is the same thing we go through. Like if I'm announcing our one of our meets and uh, I'm told that our card counter is going to be this person, I'm like, okay, good, because I've worked with that person before. Yeah. And they know exactly what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's it's. I, earlier you referred to the events. Uh, you used, you used the word deliverable, which I thought was really great because uh, going back to consistency of product. I mean, the the events are essentially a, a a product that you're offering or like a service, right? So the more you do mm -hmm. it and the more you refine it, which we've seen over the years too, the more people will expect that high consistency of product. Which you know, like you said, they don't ask, is it going to start on time? They don't ask if chalk's going to be there. They don't ask if. Uh, well, oh, I wonder what happens if the software is going to crash. Well, that doesn't happen anymore, mm -hmm. you know. And it's it's such Correct. a high quality of product now that you know it is it's it's always being delivered the same way, which I think is is absolutely amazing. 
Yeah, and, and, and don't get me wrong, we, we try to make changes and we try to implement new things, but even those, right. they're like, they're, we, we drop the change pills little by little, and mm -hmm. we see how it, we're very uh, clever, I believe, on, on not making lots of changes uh, super quick, because that would throw right. everybody off, you know? So yeah. changes, they happen gradually, like the moving scoreboard to a static mm -hmm. scoreboard on the back. Then uh, now that we're looking into using uh, one scoreboard per event, and me and Andy, we talked about it. And even uh, and, uh, Andy, you, you, I mean, we've, we've been talking about this, and you see how slow it is to get to the right. process that we finally go and say, okay, let's do this. Well, I, say, hey, I did promise you some information, and I am working on it. it I just have a lot. <laughs> I, I need to get, I want to make it a presentation that you say, okay, this makes perfect sense. And this, I could see how this, I don't want yeah. you asking like little minute questions. I want you to see the big picture. So I'm, I'm still working on putting all that together for you. So don't worry. It, it's coming. Bad, big man. things coming. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. But yeah. The, the small changes are definitely, I mean, over time they do get noticed, but we're the same. I mean, it's the same as training someone in, in any sport. You don't want to change everything about say a certain technique all at once like hey let's try everything differently it's just oh well maybe move your Correct. feet a little bit or maybe move your grip out yeah. just a little bit and then that way it adds up to bigger things in the long run uh, then like you said it won't throw everyone off yeah exactly that's that's the that's the whole idea you go little by little and and you see how it goes in the end and everything is mm -hmm. thought about everything is discussed it's not like some people woke up in the wrong side of the bed and said you know what we're gonna do this and <laughs> now you have i have oh, yeah. leaned on you uh it was one time it was like maybe the biggest favor i've ever asked uh i had to shoot i, th I think it was when i had to shoot a vip photo package where i follow them around the back but they were mm -hmm. they were on like the red platform and i was also mm -hmm. asked to do some advertising photos for a lifter on like the furthest platform possible i was like pedro i i'm begging you this is a big request. Can we move? Can we switch these two platforms so the my two my two photo people are adjacent to each other? And you did it. And man, I'm telling you that I told the after the session was done, I told the uh, the lifter what you did for them, and they were they were forever grateful. Like they couldn't believe they didn't know why it moved. First of all, and I told them why yeah. it was because of you because we wanted to make sure that we have your photos and we didn't want to miss anything. Yeah, but but so let's just be clear. This was at least like six hours in advance. Right, right. It wasn't spur of the moment, but it was, <laughs> yeah. it was like, okay, guys, it, because it really for us, it really doesn't matter. Okay. If if for an athlete, from an athlete point of view, it doesn't matter if he's lifting on red, blue, or, or red, white, or blue. I mean, it's it's a platform anyway, right? Right. Um. Mm -hmm. So those changes that they don't affect schedule and and all that, and uh, so yeah, that that was easy to do. It, it happens sometimes when we need to catch up, though. So when we see oh, that yeah, one platform is lagging, yeah, and then then mm -hmm. we make made those changes, like because then I mean we, we catch up with the with the event and everybody finishes on time. I still do believe that people like to get dinner after <laughs> yeah. fourteen hours. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah, we certainly do. Yeah, heck, the hard part is um, trying to decide between eating and sleeping sometimes. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> if I eat, then I'm going to lose an hour and a half of sleep, and I want to be fully prepared for the next day. Just because of what we do, we need to yeah. be in fully engaged. But but you know what, Andy? I came to realize that um, 
the next day I'm always tired regardless. So I said, you know what, I'm going to eat some because <laughs> if I sleep seven hours or if I sleep five hours, I'm going to be tired the next day anyway. That's so. true. Yeah, it does just help me in the long run. Uh, um, that is my one request. Uh, I'll just ask you now, the eight session days, uh, those, those are rough on us. I'll just let you know right now when it gets to be 16 plus hours shooting photos. Yeah, no, that, that, that kind of takes a toll. But I, I see why it's oh, necessary no, it, when you only have like three days. They, uh, like the Arnold, there was four days, but Sunday had to be like kind of a three-quarter day. So everything was kind of front-loaded yeah, on yeah. Thursday, and that one went, I think, seven, seven think sessions. seven sessions yeah. on Thursday. Yeah, no, seven sessions a day. That's And and, and at the Arnold, you're talking about seven sessions of two-hour sessions. So right. it, it's still okay. Sometimes we had like two hours 15, to two hours 20. Right. Just kills people. So seven sessions a day is a lot of lifting, a lot of lifting going on. And I completely and understand why the, why that has to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's just something we we mm-hmm. mentally overcome eventually. But yeah, it's it's a <laughs> it's a challenge. I'll tell you what. It, yeah, it. We used to do bigger sessions and and thus less sessions a day, mm-hmm. right? So sessions used to have like fourteen to fifteen people. But one of the things that that in our surveys um we started to notice and i read every single answer of those surveys believe me i've read a hundred percent of them and and people in the office like our sunday dinners they're always like making fun of it of of like man stop this game but i just like it i just go and (laughs) say i don't care i'm gonna read everything again and again and uh one of the things that we always notice is that people said, hey, it's difficult to share platforms and this and this and that. Too many people to a platform. Yeah, the warm-up. And we said, you know what? So if we, if we stick to, to 12, 13 people, you're going to have the vast majority of the athletes sharing a platform with someone else, which shouldn't be a problem to anyone, right, in a national level meet. So that's why – but again, if you, do, if you do 12 people or 13 people per session – you're running a longer event than if we put 15 to 16 people uh, per session because you have more intros, you have more 10 minutes breaks, etc., right. etc. Et so mm-hmm. it's harder in terms of like time, but it's better to the athletes. And that's why uh, we've been running like 12, 13 people per, per platform. Speaking of the 11, breaks, 13. like the 10 minute versus five minute, what, 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 uh, what's your rule on that? So they were saying, oh, it's, it's more than 10 people in a session. We're going to take a five-minute break between clean and jerk, or it's less than 10. We'll do a 10-minute break. The rule, the, the IWF rule doesn't gives like complete opening to the jury to decide how much time is going gonna, is gonna to do. It's 10 minutes are the recommended ones, but you can go from anywhere to one to a thousand, right? I mean, it, there's literally no mention. There's re- literally no mention to, to minimum or maximum in the, in the IWF rule book. So it's it kind of a little bit of feeling for us. 10 minutes is the, what you can expect 95% of the times. But some meets, we just go ahead and announce in advance that, hey, guys, like youth nationals for the under 13, under 11 kids, we just went ahead and announced to everybody, say, hey, it's going to be five minutes break. And you're yeah. talking about 13-year-old kids. You're talking about 11-year-old kids. Just go there and, yeah. and, and take your lift and all that. That, that's yeah, some of the fastest so, lifting you'll see at youth. You do, yeah. you do, you're doing eight sessions in a day, but I mean, the sessions were taking an hour and a half or less because these, these wow. kids Correct. sprint up, lift the weight, sprint back. Next kids up. It's like almost faster than the announcer can keep up with. Yeah. And it, it's fine it, for them. It, it, 
it, it, it reaches the, the purpose of the youth nationals too. We want to see lots of kids. We want to see them having fun. We don't want them sitting there and, you know, waiting and, yeah. and the competition dragging. You know what yeah. I mean, right? You, you don't, you don't want to see that kid like stealing clocks. And <laughs> it's just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I see that at youth nationals. I'm like, come on, man. He's 11. If someone, <laughs> if someone burns a two-minute clock for like an 11-year-old, <laughs> we'll teach uh, him a lesson. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, what's going on? Just let the kid go, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's We've like seen the last 15-minute uh, okay. breaks, too. If uh, if there's like four or five in a session, then they'll do a 15-minute break. Yeah. But which brings me to another point. The Nationals online qualifier, the video submissions, uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the rules was there has to be an hour between snatch and clean and jerk. Mm-hmm. So that's right. It's, so would you, is it safe to say that at least an hour between someone's last snatch and their first clean and jerk is, is the time frame we're possibly looking at here? But that's how no, tough if someone closes it, snatches and opens clean and jerk, which happens a lot. Yeah, it, it happens a lot too. I mean, you can't, it, it depends on the outfit. It, it depends on the group that you are at, you know. You can mm-hmm. you can ex- expect, for example, Matt Same and the, the the super heavyweight. He's going to be one of the first ones to end snatching and it's going to be one of the first one one of the last ones uh, doing a clean and jerk. So he's going to probably have one hour in between and he probably needs it, mm-hmm. but he, he's going to have a long time. Someone who's a strong snatcher like Arroyo from uh, uh, David Arroyo. Oh, David Arroyo. Arroyo, yeah, Arroyo like, snatched 190 and clean jerk 195 in, in, <laughs> in one of the, the last events. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think it was World Championships. He snatched 190 and clean jerk 195. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's... He's gonna be the the last one, and then the first one is gonna have like fifteen to twenty minutes. And he he actually mm-hmm. had, I believe, he actually had like fifteen minutes in between his last attempt of the snatch and the first attempt of the clean jerk. Well, you got because be an athlete. It was just like, yeah. see you, yeah. see you, buddy, see you again. So it's not like you really can expect to 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 have an hour in like a, a live competition. Uh, but in the, the online one, we adopted that that rule to just to keep it like consistent to, between right. everybody. That was a good idea. Yeah, and I think I think more than that, I think the competitions is uh, the the online competitions is a way to keep the community involved too. So that that idea came to, from the office, and they were quick to to set that up with the news of the the nationals was going to get canceled. We've been mm-hmm. we've been watching. We were watching the situation with Lombard for for a while, and it, when it became obvious to us that that it w- was going to be impossible, people were quick to to pull the plug and right. to announce the membership and and come together with like, hey, we're can we're postponing it, not canceling, right? We're postponing, exactly. but here's the here's here's the plan B, and here's a, what's happening now. Right, you didn't just you, know, here, you didn't just postpone the, it and say, "Well, we'll come back with more later when we figure it out." You already had no. a plan in place, and boom, here's what's happening. So, that's right. So the the actual yeah, postponement part was just went by fast. Everybody started looking at what's coming next, and they were able to focus on, exactly. the, on the good of what's coming instead of the unfortunate postponement. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nobody likes postponing events, but nowadays it's just a rule, right? I remember yeah. when we 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 postponed Wuhan here. I'm like, man, first postponed event ever. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then the word, the whole word said, "You know what? We're gonna postpone everything." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the first, the postponed right here, Pedro Maloney. <laughs> and, of course, other people who helped make a decision. But, yes, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> man, you're at the forefront. You're at the bleeding edge of uh, postponements here. We were, we were. I'm patient, round, uh, patient zero, Wuhan patient ground zero. <laughs> that's <laughs> frightening, event, event too. Zero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were, like, in, in the area before the bombs hit. That's, that's pretty crazy. Nah. Yeah, I was actually supposed to be there two days before they shut down the city. Oh my gosh! So, if my if my plane was two days earlier, which was possible, I would still be in Wuhan right now. Mm. It'd be a whole different man. Because scary situations, yep. man. I don't even like to think about those. Yeah, absolutely. I just missed that. Me and a, a colleague here, Jeff, we were supposed to be there. Jeez. I got, I got yeah. a question about international meets. Like, let's say oh. Turkmenistan. What was your involvement there? And then, of course, we have Worlds in Anaheim. Did you play a large part in that planning, or is it mostly the IOS, um, IWF? So the IWF called me and Reiko Chinen from Japan to help that event, to, to help planning on, on, on that event. We got there... 10 days before. So we did everything that it was possible to do from 10 days on, right? So everything really um, regarding scheduling, everything regarding uh, fine tuning, uh, content on the scoreboards, uh, sport presentation, everything was, was done by us. So I took one, one part, I took more of the, the, the content, the sport presentation and the TV side of it. And Reiko took more on the part of like being on the way, at the wings and, and this kind of stuff. Reiko is, by the way, the, the sport manager to Tokyo 2022. So th that's how we divided it. Of course, when we got to Turkmenistan and I got there like 10 to 12 days before, they had everything built already and waiting for it. So all they, they had everything on place. The Lico bars were there and they were ready to go platforms were ready we did like work on the stage i, I remember mm -hmm. working with them on the stage to level it to, to to reinforce it because the way that they built wasn't necessarily uh the proper stage so we had to rebuild that but everything was absolutely ready 12 days to go in a venue that was completely blocked for weightlifting so that was pretty amazing like huge backdrops uh that they were quick to replace if we said anything about it if we said like hey there's a mistake here or we can't have this here they would like tear down the whole wall and build up again the next day so so it was a different experience for sure and then in in terms of like international but but again that's turkmenistan they have loads of money and, and, and they have a huge capacity to do stuff when it comes to like, if, if it demands resources, they have those resources, they have the money, right? That's no secret to anyone. <laughs> and, uh, right. I mean, where the money is coming from, don't ask me. Don't, don't ask, <laughs> don't tell it's there. Just be <laughs> thankful it's there. Correct. Correct. Pretty much. I still remember that every night we were going to sleep in the hotels and before shutting down my lights, I would say goodbye, Mr. Agent. Hope you had a great night. <laughs> oh, big brother. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. I'll be here the whole night. I hope. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Talk to you soon. <laughs> Don't mind the noises that I do while I'm sleeping. So, <laughs> so yeah so that was that was interesting that was a that was a pretty cool pretty cool experience i used to say that um uh, if we ever colonize mars it's gonna look a lot like ashgabat it's 
it's out of this world. <laughs> like it's <laughs> kind of desert, and then all of a sudden uh, a city. Like some of the pictures I saw, it is yeah. straight sand dunes. Then there's a road and an entire city. Yeah, wow. made of marble, made of white marble. That's so, crazy. like, like eighty percent of the buildings in a in a certain area, like eighty something percent of the buildings are white marble. Hmm. So it's just crazy, crazy. And they're old. Like it's they're old people there in terms of like they've been living there forever, forever, forever. So they have an old history in that place. It, it's really interesting, really, really interesting. That is. And uh, and 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 then you have the other side of the the coin uh, when when I ran the the junior world championships in Fiji, that then my involvement was much more like okay, let's get get things done here, let's build it together, and 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 all that. That was much more like hands on in terms of okay take pipes and and put it and set up like the place where the ac was going to be so fiji was much more hands-on but an equally high level uh competition that they delivered there and then there's anaheim that was much more like do everything we had to do everything because we were the organizing committee just to give you guys perspective in 2017 in uh in in anaheim we were a team of 12 12 people doing everything Right. So the whole staff, whole wow. USA weightlifting staff, 12 to 14 people, plus the visit Anaheim staff with three people. In 2018, in Turkmenistan, to run the same world championships, I'm pretty sure that just on the management level, I had like meetings with like 50 people. Wow. And then on the operational level, they had at least 200 and something people. Wow. So Jeez. when when I when we talk about the the quality of the people that work with uh, USA weightlifting nowadays and and their ability to pull the, the events, I don't I don't think we can look lightly into that. Th- those guys are like really used to 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 hard work and and to get things done, and they know what they're doing. I think the word that comes to mind to like, is professional. They yeah. are professionals at what yeah. they do. They don't panic. They have answers. Yeah. They know how to get to a solution fast. And uh, it's really great. Yeah. I'm thinking when you there's like 200 plus people in a boardroom meeting versus the 12 to 15 over here, which which do you prefer trying to work with? For sure with the 12. <laughs> Good answer. For sure. Because the problem... The problem with like 250 people is that everyone is a, is a manager or a director. You know, you have like a boardroom with full of people. Nobody is going to do anything. You know, nobody is actually going to, that's, that's a general feeling. You know, people are not like looking forward to pull stuff into their plate. So they're like, no, no, it's not for me. This is not high enough. Someone else give it to this guy. Correct. Yeah. Find, find Jimmy and ask Jimmy to do it. You know, (laughs) it's, it's, uh, and, and, and USA we're lifting. I mean, we have, when let's let's put the the whatever event in vegas all those guys working there all those guys are like pulling weight working there junior nationals this year the series one this year that i wasn't um all those guys they have their regular jobs in in usa weightlifting they're uh susie is director of programs and and development uh uh, kelsey is communications Uh, jp is coaching education or or, and, and all those guys brad is memberships 
they don't answer to events in our organogram. They're not under the the events organogram, right? right? But they're still over there and they're still pulling all that weight, whereas they still have their jobs. So you know what I mean? It's like they transition from their 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 place in the organogram to under events briefly for that event, and then they come back to their original place in the the organization. But and and that doesn't create like any kind of attrition between the team. You know what I mean? So right. those guys are quick to like, okay, we have to do this. We have this is the the task. Uh, who is distributing the tasks? I'll grab my task. I'll do my task. If someone needs help, I'll help them with with my with uh, with their tasks. And by the end, we'll have a full product. Right. I it, think it's, it's about not done trust. until every. If your work is done, you start helping someone else with their work. Correct. Correct. And everybody's also confident that by the end of like, I, I do my little share, you do your, your small share, you do your small share. By the end, the product's going to be complete and you have a full a full thing going on. I think Team US, you know? USA Way of the Thing is a, is a shiny example of what teamwork is. Absolutely. Yeah, really is, really is. And I, I was thinking about this here and when, when you were saying uh, we're talking about setup, in any other situation, Andy, if you guys showed up to like the event, show starts on Friday, 8 a.m. By 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. on Thursday, the, the photo guys haven't showed up yet, people would be freaking out, right? Oh, yeah. In our oh, case, right. yeah, in our case, we just know that you guys are coming, you know? We right. know that you guys are coming. We love, we love what you guys do, and we know that it's going to be okay. Well, they got it. They got their share. If you don't know, if if uh, if you know that you have problems or something, you're gonna let us know. Oh, 100%. so it, it all works out. Yeah, so it, it all works out because of that. So you have this general level of confidence, this general level of uh, of um, the confidence really that makes makes things easier. And that's only that's only because we've been working together again and again and again for years. We we try to be just as reliable as you guys are. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say there's absolutely. there's instances where where we where we're done setting up cameras or we're on a break or something and we'll go in the back and say hey you need help with TVs or moving stuff around like we'll, yeah we'll also we were also quick mm-hmm. to to help out because we know many hands yeah. many hands make light work <laughs> that's true yeah exactly and uh, just to put mm-hmm. for sure put, for people that that don't know to put to give a little more perspective Pedro isn't just a decision maker. He is a hands-on. He's gonna lift it. It's got wheels. He's gonna drive it. I mean, if it if it needs doing, he's gonna do it. No questions asked. I, my favorite parts. Yeah. I take so many extra photos when you're loading. <laughs> I think there was a session where you, Phil Andrews, and Susie Sanchez were all loading, and Kelsey too. Kelsey was in that too. It was all for you. You you were the loading team. <laughs> I think I took just loading. as many yeah, pictures you of you guys loading as I did the lifters lifting, because <laughs> that's like this was cool. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Pedro oh, helps man. build yeah. the platforms. He's helping clean up, like moving yeah, all those little lead, carpets. Lead by clean. example. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've built my share of platforms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're so heavy. Oh, my God. Well, each one of those beams they weighs like 400-something so pounds. Now they're lighter. Yeah, yeah. They, well, now I think we got into a, a better, better like, uh, model. Of, of platforms they're not that heavy anymore we got too light in one of them and we'll have to re-engineer yeah. that i'm not going to say the brand name but i know which one you're talking about i think it was like pine filled with yeah. a hardwood exterior and those were just cracking up yeah but the road 
but the rogue ones are pretty much perfect. Yeah, those are all that's over. that's the, the standard one. Legit. Yeah. But they're not extremely heavy. That's the point. So you can you right. can move them around. Yeah, one pallet, yeah. one uh, forklift will move it. Exactly, exactly. And it's funny because again, with everyone. By the way, everyone in the office is forklift driver certified. Oh, good, good to know. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so we we certified everybody just because of that. Because at one point we said, you know what? Anyone needs to be able to do anything. So we got everybody certified to drive forklifts, and we all did online certifications. But yes, everyone certified. That's funny. <laughs> That reminds me in Vegas, uh, Kelsey was driving a forklift and I was taking her pictures. Oh my God. I was like, we're going to do some modeling right now while you drive with the empty forks. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not sure if she's certified though. <laughs> uh, oh, never mind. Oh, just kidding. She wasn't. It was Susie. All right. <laughs> we are omitting this portion for OSHA purposes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You want to hit, you want to hit these rapid fires, Andy? Yeah, let's go. We got some rapid fire. Do, 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 do. Oh rapid God. fire questions. Okay, ready, Pedro. You don't know what these are. We didn't tell you about them. Rapid fire. First thing that comes cool. to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah. Question one. It. Favorite food. Go. Uh, rice and beans. Good Brazilian. Rice, beans, and steak. Nice. That's simple enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite car. Favorite car. Oh, my God. Um, Jeep. What, what kind of Jeep? Let's. I'm going to hear about this. You want to... You wanna, uh what's what's the name of the i don't i don't the know wrangler the, uh, or like the cherokee no kind of the, the wrangler okay if, if wrangler. you would have said they that new like... truck one i would have, i would have had to end the stream right now <laughs> no 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 they, they jump they jump like a mule but but it's good <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> i could see you remember that scene in terminator 2 when uh or terminator 1 mm. when sarah connor's driving that old wrangler down the dusty road i can picture you <laughs> in that driver's seat just hair blowing in the wind Speaking of which, you cut your Sarah hair. Connor, it's a really thing. Yes, it's it's gone what? <laughs> for a year. Why? That's another rap fire. Why'd you cut your hair? <laughs> it happens every year. Okay. I hate haircuts, but <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty epic. It was like a Pantene Pro V uh, hot oil type of commercial. You look like some kind of hair oh model God, of yeah. Vidal Sassoon figurehead. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, third rapid fire oh, question yeah. in three, two, one. Hidden talent, go. Hidden talent, oh my God. What am I good at? I don't know, Andy. Uh, chess, maybe? Okay. Hidden? Really? Well, I yeah. didn't know that, so it's hidden yeah. to me. It's hidden. It's hidden. Well, um, if, if you look at me at, at some, some meets, if I'm in a corner, I'm probably playing. If I'm, really? I'm hiding from someone, I'm probably playing chess. That wasn't Candy Crush? <laughs> No, it wasn't okay. Candy Crush. <laughs> yeah, Never crush. played that before. <laughs> I hate that. Okay, man. What can I say? I'm glad you're you're able to join us for this episode, and it's good to see you again. Yeah. Thanks, guys. First of all, I, I, mean, I haven't yeah, seen really you in a long it. time. The last two or three meets, I'm like, Pedro's not here. I, I said it like a like a sad child, like where's Pedro? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to I'm think of the last time. Yeah, the last time I saw I may have been Memphis. The last time I saw you. Yeah, Nashville. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the but he, he wasn't was in San Diego. Oh, I was not in San Diego, yeah. Were you in Daytona, Pat? Oh yeah, I was in Daytona. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Daytona is September. Yeah. Um, I love you guys. I, I love what you do for, for USA weightlifting too. It's uh, it, it's amazing. I mean, and, and talking about like modules and talking about 
standardization. I just love what's happening and re how reliable you guys come, came to be in the end too. I well, just thanks. love that. that. That warms my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll pass it on to Ryan and Hala, the uh, Lifting Life creators. Please. They'll, be, they'll be happy to hear Please that do. too. All right. Yeah, well, I think uh, Patrick's going to close us out here. Yep. Again, we appreciate your time, Pedro. But thank you, everyone, again, for listening to the Keep Pulling podcast. You can find previous episodes on our website, keeppulling.com. And make sure to follow us on social media. We're at Keep Pulling, at Lifting Life. And uh, feel free to follow at USA underscore weightlifting also. Yeah. Thanks like for joining us. Drop us a review on iTunes. Thank you again. All right, guys. Thanks, See guys. you next time. <laughs>